Nathan, we're back. Finally. Where have I been? Where have you been on my life? <laughs> uh, we just realized that if we wanted more episodes, we needed to make them. So here we are. It's just magically going to happen without our, <laughs> our, our beautiful voices on, on Squadcast. <laughs> Episode 12. Here we are. And we were just chatting beforehand, of course. And Nathan suggested an episode about storytelling mm-hmm. and birth and death and all of that. So I don't know where this will go, but, oh, wait, must start timer first. Start. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Um, I, okay, so you, you brought that up and I immediately thought of something for sure. And it is along the lines of death and loss. And I think that's not an accident either. I think there's something about storytelling and birth that leads us to that place more often than maybe we'd like in some mm. ways. Um, just reflecting on chatting with a woman who is experiencing an early second trimester loss as I did many years ago and just holding space for her from many continents away. Her baby Mm. has died and it's been very many weeks, much like I experienced as well, like many months. Uh, So yeah, just hearing her version of it and in holding space for that, sharing bits of my story, but very consciously offering, I hope that these stories are still all so different. So we could lump them all together like, oh, that's miscarriage or, oh, that's this. Mm -hmm. And there might be some similarities, but there's also just such a huge range of how that not just looks, but feels and the reasons why. And anyway, getting into all of that. So making space for her story to come through Mm -hmm. is something I'm interested in. And I am like really interested in how that, how that feels for her because yeah, it's one of those things that you can experience and still still be so open to hearing how it's how it's uh, teaching someone, how that mm. wisdom is coming through for someone, which is kind of her words too, which is really cool to get in touch with people that feel that way about loss as they're experiencing it. They're open to the wisdom and mm. that's so beautiful. So Yeah, I think culturally we used to have stories that kind of guided us and now we have narratives, right? Now we have people telling stories for the purpose of getting us to do certain things. And I struggle with story, narrative, and myth. I struggle with those three terms because I think we use them somewhat interchangeably. Um, but the, but, but myth really used to be a guiding principle. You know, the, the world sits atop the back of a turtle and the turtle is hurling through space. And when you take a step back and people, you know, you know, in this reductive model of our experience as humans, what they do is they say, well, look, here's a telescope image of, or a, a photograph of Earth from space, from the space station, and there's no turtle. And I would challenge you to think like, well, what's your definition of a turtle? Of a turtle? What, what part of you is the turtle? And so when we, when we hear those types of stories, yes, it's mythical in the sense that um, perhaps our current societal view of the earth is not that it's sitting on top of a turtle, but is that, does that make the myth untrue? Of course not. 
it's a guiding principle for how we interact with the physical space that we can see around us, which in and of itself is a reductive view of what's actually happening in the greater fabric of reality. And I'm talking about our, not just our subtle bodies, our, our soul, our spirit, our, you know, the astral body, the causal bodies, etc. But also the sort of multidimensional space that we all know is true in our hearts, but we're forced to just not, not see it that way because we need to pay our taxes and buy the things and keep up with the Joneses, you know? So the power of storytelling in birth and death, I think, is really something that would be so helpful if we had some myths that we, that we um, embraced, that we re-embraced, that we, we shook the amnesia and we remembered, oh, yeah, like this is what this, this, is, what this is all about. And um, I think no better space than birth and death for that to be a, an exercise for us as a, as a society, as a whole. Hmm. Yeah, what an exercise, huh? To see more than the physical story and to look for the wisdom and the meaning mm-hmm. just below all that. And is it myth, I guess, is what comes to my mind. Like, I enjoy that word and I think of, you know, folklore and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But really, yeah, there's so many other words to describe the other experience mm-hmm. that someone could be having or their interpretation that is not literal that it goes beyond story it goes beyond myth it's like true mm-hmm. it's true in some place in some time right i don't know that's a little abstract but it makes me think actually back to the loss topic for a minute um when i had my loss afterwards i got my first tattoo and it's this depiction of a tree with roots And there's some other stuff there, but the message for me was this baby was like a tree. It had left roots and the wisdom would continue to be received through that for the rest of my life. So, you know, is that a myth Hmm. or is that reality? Is that reality on some level? I think, I think it is. But we have these personal stories, I guess. We get to decide what we call them, right? Yeah, and, and I would argue that it is both a myth and it's, and it's quote, true. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and somebody might say, well, how do you know it's true? Like, like my, you know, the, the story we tell about loss, let's say, a miscarriage or whatever. It's, it, it, it doesn't, we don't have to be mutually exclusive between myth and, and quote, truth. Because y- you know that that's what happened because you were there and you are you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we can say, we can say all these things. We can, we can apply all these attributes like, Oh, that was so healing and this and that. And that doesn't even really do it justice. It was your experience. And the, the story that you tell about that experience is a part of the journey and the integration of that experience. You know, the, there was a short story. I'll, I'll tell like a very brief version of the story I told you before uh, yeah. we started recording. But um, when I was on Charles Eisenstein's podcast recently, the episode hasn't been released, but we were talking about, he, he, had a, he asked me, he said, hey, is there, at the very, very end, he said, is there a story that you remember from your training or from your life that has, has been, a, I don't remember how he worded it, but sort of stuck with you, you know, something you want to share. Mm-hmm. 
and so what he was what he's getting at is is it's like when you ask somebody that it's it's like tell me about the fabric of your reality totally and one story that the story that i chose to tell in brief was a baby that was born prematurely in the hospital when I was a resident. I was the, I think I was a fourth year resident, so I was at the very end of my training. In other words, I had seen quite a few horrific things. I'd seen a lot of completely normal, natural physiologic birth because of how I chose to sort of participate as a trainee. And, um, and of course, I was also, con- I was also, ad- I'd, I'd been admitted to a, or a, accepted to a fellowship program in hospice and palliative care. So death was something that was really, really on my mind. And and this story had both birth and death in it. So this baby was premature, and the baby couldn't be intubated in the delivery room. So they took the baby to the OR, called up all these fancy surgeons from around the hospital, and they found after doing some minor surgery on this baby that there was a piece of the trachea missing. It's about four centimeter gap between the back of the airway in the mouth and the, the main stem bifurcation of the, of the bronchi, the, the bronchus. Mm. So that's the tube that brings air into the lungs. In other words, this baby had no way of getting air from the outside into the lungs. And so they were, they were ventilating the baby through a hole they had created at the stump inside the chest, sort of like probably up around where the collarbones meet. And they were looking at, her, at us and the surgeon said, we can't fix this. And so the mom had the decision, like we keep doing the bag ventilation, push forcing air into the lungs which is, of course, not sustainable forever. So she had to make the decision right. that I just want to hold my baby and let the baby die, and the baby did die. And in the meantime, a lot of the staff, all these people that were involved were, were so confronted with the reality that this baby is going to die. I mean, granted, you and I always talk about this. Bad things sometimes happen. Like, we are human beings, and the miracle of a perfectly healthy baby being born, that's the, that's the, the myth we tell ourselves. If we have enough intervention... Right. And we can fix this, right? And and in that case, it's right. It's again, it's true and it's our reality, right? So so um in this particular case, we had all the tools to make things right, but those tools were not the tools of surgery. And as this woman's baby is dying and she and her husband are there and just they're just bawling their eyes out, there's all this commotion going around, just like at a normal birth. Like there's all this commotion when all you really need to do is stop and hold space for what's happening. And so this baby was born and died within the hour. And I I pause after that because there's no moral of the story. There's no lesson to be learned. There's nothing, there, there's no, um, and that's not the same as meaning making. I want to make that very, very clear. There's no lesson to be learned here. There's no, oh, what could we learn from this to make our system better? Right. There is just this story. And in telling that story, and I, I've told it at, you know, at far greater lengths, including on Charles' show, but the importance of telling these stories, including every birth story and every story of death, and everything in between, the importance of telling stories and passing stories down culturally is because, yes, they do provide healing, and they provide us context for who we are and how to live our best lives. Um, and everybody hearing that story is going to relate to it in a different way, and that's where the, the collective healing takes place. It's not that it's a... It's not just that it releases these... Um, the, it allows you to express these emotions that otherwise are pent up and, and stored in our, our trauma centers. That, that too... There's also healing for me, there's healing for you, and there's healing for anybody to engage in this, this type of storytelling. And as an OBGYN, I think that what we, we confuse is 
hearing about a person's past birth is not just an opportunity to hear about the things that could go wrong in the present birth. That is also important. What's really important is that we tell these stories and that we hold them dear and we allow them to integrate into our, into our soul's path. And then it, it just becomes this sort of, dare I say, like subconscious traveler with us. Hmm. Um, and, I th- and I think we just, I think we just need to get back to that somehow. Hearing and telling stories. Yeah. Mm, that's so beautiful. And write a clinical account of a birth. That is not a story, really. Mm. The story is what's experienced by the person telling it. And I think we both know, too, in working with people, um, their story can also be reflected very differently, right? In, like, paperwork or That's right. past records. So it's this... Yeah, interesting perspective to hold space for what is true for someone. And then also, I think, to use the other tools we have in whatever ways, you know, for supporting them going forward on a new journey. Uh, Not to see it differently necessarily, or not to see it the way we think they should see it, but to know that that is purely theirs through their eyes. And we all live in our own little universe. So, how could this not be true? But you know, there's so many there's so many possibilities too on the other side. So I guess I'm hmm. I'm kind of blabbing, but talking about when people are really, really, really tied to their story, right? Really tied to it. It's not bad. It's not wrong. But it, we can witness it and also know that, yeah, just there's possibility. Hmm. There's possibility ahead of them mm-hmm. that may or may not reflect like those those details mm-hmm. that they remember. Yeah, and I think important to that point, it's important to remember that sitting around a campfire and letting your eyes glaze over in the flames and just watching the embers turn colors and they, there's this beautiful, vibrant shifting across the coals and as the wind blows, the flames dance this way and that and there's something sort of, um, sort of entrancing in that experience. And, uh, and imagine a group of people sitting around a campfire and one person stands up and tells the story, any story. The campfire story is, I mean, that was, uh, that's an important part of our culture because nobody's doing anything but being present with the experience of hearing that story. Um, it almost seems like we need like a, a gathering once a month, for, uh, you know, a storytelling gathering to a storytelling gathering in which people from everywhere just come either as participants to tell a story. And it's not like, here's this story, now buy my thing. <laughs> it's, we're telling the story for the purpose of telling the story. And um, we're so far removed from that that people don't even know how to tell a story anymore. <laughs> Because they think you just want to hear the facts. And the facts are really the, the giant mm. stones you jump between. But the magic happens in between those leaps. Totally. You know, like we're collecting facts, but the purpose of telling the story is not to convey facts. It's to convey connection. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great idea. Maybe you should host a storytelling circle. That, that, that should be another new venture. <laughs> Kentucky Campfire <laughs> Stories. 
Yeah. No, you're so right. As you were saying that, I thought it's really to convey the magic of the experience, you know, and sometimes, like we've shared, it's not the happiest of things, but there is still magic there. You know, I guess that's what I'm, I'm imagining when I hear birth stories, or even in retelling stories from the midwife's perspective, right? So we would maybe call that case review or peer review in some places. But my mind always goes to like this full version that I very rarely even ever get out on paper because it just feels kind of overwhelming, Mm. you know, when it's not even your story. It's like, oh, no, it's not just the birth. It's not just how this baby came out. It's everything. Mm. It's how you met this family. It's all the cool synchronicities and magic that surrounded your relationship. You know, it's not just. That's right. Yeah. And like, then it's, it's so fun to think about because you realize nothing is an accident and that the story is just like interwoven into all the stories. It was always meant to be the story. You know, how cool is that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I can't remember if you recommended it originally. I'm sure you ha- have at some point cause you, you do a lot of, you read a lot of books in which storytelling has kind of informed the author. I know that just because I know that some of the books you've recommended to me recently, but women who run, uh, women who run with the wolves by, um, mm, yeah. was it Clarissa uh, Estes, Nicola, uh, Pinkola yeah. Estes. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first read that book, my, my inclination was, what can I take from the story? Like, what's the lesson for me? Me, 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 me. <laughs> when you, then you read it again and you're like, oh, these are stories that have been passed down. And these are, in, these are stories that are a part of the fabric of our, of our society. Maybe not, you know, we may not see it as a part of our contemporary society, but they are a part of our, our society and our culture because these are story, these are old stories and when you listen to it, you try to find how you fit in, but that's not really the point. When you hear her read her stories like on Audible, that was the second time I read it was I listened to it on Audible. And oh, cool. It, she reads it herself and it's like, wow, there is something magical in just hearing the story. And some other good storytellers, I know Sharon Blackie had, has written quite a bit and she's a great storyteller. Um, Michael Mead, uh, Martin Shaw Jones, like the, the stories, the, the, this sort of resurgence of storytelling, there's a lot of wisdom in that. And, and like you said, it's not, um, it's not in the story itself. It's, it's in the, the sentiment, the feeling that you have, the experience that you as the listener have with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any other great storytellers that I, that I should know about? Um, I think the last book I sent you, I'm still in the middle of, so I'm sure many of you out there have read, it's called The Overstory, and I can't remember. I'm so bad with, yeah, but it's, it's a really beautiful book. I don't want to give it away. It's actually hard to sum up, but there are a lot of stories. There are a lot of stories, and they're kind of dramatic and chaotic in a sense, but they have a purpose, I think, mm-hmm. as I'm nearing kind of the mid end of the book. Um, and actually, they're human stories, which I think is important to differentiate. But there's also nature stories. And I think the point of that book is just to like contrast that, you know, contrast human stories with 
those of the earth and mm. and just like how that feels in Lux and I don't know. It's a really great book. I would I would very highly recommend the it, but story. it's hard to yeah. yeah, hard to sum up more than that. Um, Women was there a book called something about glowing uh Oh glowing yeah, that dark? one's really great too. Woman who glows in the dark. Was that also a collection by, of stories? Not well, there are some stories. Yeah, like any great book, I think there are definitely some stories. That's by Elena Avila and she was a curandera, like a healing mm. medicine woman, also was, I believe, an advanced practice nurse. So she combined wow. her Western knowledge of medicine with this tradition she had learned. And yeah, lots of great stories and myths in there. Uh, myths even about how to heal someone mm. that were really interesting. I think you you would love that book too. Yeah, I, I know we're probably going to, that timer is going to go off anytime now. Um, Well, yes, yeah. it did go off. I just happened to it's have okay. my uh, Well, then we'll we'll just have to save it for the next conversation. <laughs> yeah, good intuition on that time yeah, going off yeah. there. You got it right on the nose. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was great seeing was you great again. What you. a nice re-entry. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see you again very soon. <laughs>